Hello everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we're going to be talking about Israel-Palestine issues. Um, I made some comments on uh, this week's episode that we did with Roy about uh, people in Gaza celebrating Eid and uh, the importance that I thought that held to kind of remain positive and, and sort of like live on despite you know, what, whatever horrible things may be happening around you and that kind of thing. So, um, we kind of just wanted to pick up, uh, the conversation from that point and kind of continue that line of thought. Um, and we also, you know, when, when I mentioned that we were going to be doing an episode on this topic in the discord, some people were requesting that we provide some context for the, you know, the most recent developments. And, uh, uh, you know, Neither of us are like super experts on this or anything, but, um, I'll, you know, I can provide like the way that I view situations and developments in Israel and Palestine and kind of like how, uh, how I understand them. And maybe, maybe that can be enlightening to some, some people. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're being a bit humble about it, but you, you have been there, I guess, is, and that is different than I think most other at least podcasters. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I've spent some time there, but I also like it was ten years ago. It wasn't sure. for a very long time. I I can't say that I, you know, it's a it's not. You can ask any journalist or whatever who's been there, and they'll give you much better perspective. And sure. it's not like I do a lot of reading on it or anything either. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I just mean that like I think that's a valuable thing to you know personal experience that like of actually being around different communities and stuff is, I don't know, it's interesting yeah. to me at least to hear about. And, uh, um, you know, it, it also fits with this, you know, idea of, you know, everyday life and not, not so much this, uh, as, uh, you know, as something that continues on and stuff and not so much like, as like, uh, turning it into, uh, you know, even just not turning it into a foreign policy journalist kind of thing or something, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, right. and, uh, as if it's like, because I, I do think that there's that tendency online to turn every new big news cycle thing into a problem that you have to solve. And that usually is a problem that you can solve very easily by just picking the right side and doing, you know, the quick thinking about it or something like that kind of thing. Which has also been interesting, I think, to me this time because a lot of the sort of discourse around it has been oh, this is actually very simple. And uh, if you say it's complicated or something like that, it, that's a way of avoiding the basic truth of the situation and stuff, which I think is, it's one of those things that's true, but it's like sort of trite at this point, kind of thing even just to point out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Like, like people do do that in bad faith, but it's, it is complicated. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's pretty silly to say that it's not, I mean, it depends exactly what are you, what are you saying is or, sure. not, or isn't complicated. I think the, um, yeah, I don't know. I I um I think it's a difficult situation to resolve. Like I I don't think it's, there's like an easy answer. But um yeah, you know, like you were saying, I I do think like my personal experience does inform the way that I view it. Like I definitely see it differently than I think I would have had I not been there and stuff. So so yeah, I, I hopefully I can share some of that and people can benefit from it. Yeah. So uh, as you said, you were there about ten years ago. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, how did you get into the country? How did you, what, what was like the major places that you visited and things like that? Sure. So, um, I guess I should mention right off the bat uh, that we do have an episode, like a very early Patreon episode, 
um, about my time overseas in different places. I grew up overseas and uh, and lived in different countries until I was 18, which is when I uh, came back to the U.S. And, um, you know, the uh, Palestine was not one of the places that I lived during that period. That came later uh, when I was in Jordan. So I actually spent a lot more time in Jordan. That's where I actually, like, lived and worked for just under a year. And um, I visited Palestine, Palestine about three or four times or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I stayed at a hostel there. I got to know the guy that owned the hostel and, uh, I actually helped him like film a little YouTube like commercial for his hostel there. He was a, mm-hmm. a really nice guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I visited, uh, Jerusalem, Ramallah, uh, Nablus, Jericho, which is kind of like when you're coming from Jordan, you cross a bridge in a minefield and then like the first kind of town that's like a hub for buses and you know taxis and things like that is is basically at jericho so i I guess i technically visited it um Mm. i think that about covers it as far as places in palestine i've visited but that that's like an interesting cross-section of places i think it kind of gives you different view each place like ramallah is where a lot of the like administrative bodies are headquartered um a lot of like ambassadors or diplomats and whatnot are there so it has a much more of a you can feel that there's some money there um there's a lot more uh what are called internationals um Mm -hmm. around the place and uh, it just has that kind of vibe it feels like somehow less Palestinian than some of the other places. Uh, Nablus, on the other hand, is a like a very proud city for its, uh, you know, never having been conquered by the Israelis or anything like that. They have martyr posters everywhere. Uh, it's much more conservative. You see, uh, you know, men and women both wearing much more kind of like Islamic or traditional sort of outfits. Men are all in like suits and stuff, uh, usually with some kind of cap. Women are all in hijab. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like a, an, a the other side of the coin sort of thing. Uh, there was a mm-hmm. funny anecdote, actually. Like, I don't know, this is just a funny thing about Nablus. It's also kind of known as like the gay capital of Palestine. They have a lot of like bathhouses and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of got like this vibrant gay culture alongside it's like very conservative militant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So interesting yeah. mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a funny story about Arafat when he visited one time to like give a speech and stuff. He uh, he was wearing like a Kevlar bulletproof vest and he joked about like, I wasn't sure when I came to Nablus whether I should be wearing this on my chest or on my butt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Just funny stuff um and then jerusalem is sort of like i don't know jerusalem is one of the it's just unique you know it's really kind of incomparable um i really love jerusalem i thought it it was a really uh, fascinating place to be um you know i talked about it a little bit more on that other episode so i won't go on too too long about it but uh um i don't like i said i wasn't there for a very long time but it made a very strong impression on me and I, I even like think about my uh, my time there just kind of randomly, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more so than I even think about like the time in Jordan, even though I was m- there for much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, Palestinians themselves, uh, I, very positive impression 
of them. Uh, they're really nice people, really like fun people to be around. Uh, the people that I met were mainly kind of more like middle class, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, and we didn't like always, it wasn't always like political talk or anything, but I did get to like kind of sit in on some discussions that people were having and just kind of listen to people's perspectives and, and stuff. And it was, it was really enlightening. You know, at the time I was uh, like pretty much at the peak of like my, my like communist sort of Marxist phase. And mm-hmm. so it was pretty interesting to hear people talk about things that I was like in my head were like very important and like noble, righteous kind of causes. And just to hear like what people who actually have to live through this stuff, how they feel about it. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it like shattered any sort of notions that I had or anything necessarily, but it definitely gave a perspective of like, uh, I don't know, just that like, this isn't my fight. This is for these people to kind of deal with. And it's not really like, I shouldn't be so cavalier about like what should or shouldn't be done kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I've only been following it as like a news sort of thing, right? Like I've never been there or anything, but I do end up, I do feel like I kind of ended up in a similar position of like, uh, I think the, the example I gave before was like the two state solution kind of thing that people talk about, which could be, uh, you know, the, the standard sort of left thing now is to say that that's basically an absurd fantasy because there's no way that the facts on the ground could mesh with like creating a second state kind of thing, you know, out of, out of the thing. I think that's fine. I think that's like probably got a lot of truth to it or whatever, but I also think think it does too. Yeah. And, uh, but I also think at the same time that it's like, you know, anything could happen kind of thing, you know, like it, it could be that like there's a tragic two state solution or something too. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to, it doesn't need to evolve in a way that I, think is the most rational or something like that, right? So you could have a situation where there is some sort of like cleansing two-state solution or something, right? Like, uh, or, uh, and then that could evolve into something where it's like half good, half bad or something, right? Like, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's easy to sort of take a step back and then just imagine all the problems being resolved instead of what's more likely to happen in any sort of historical situation which is things rolling on in a way that's bad in some ways and good in other ways or something like that and transforming from time to time and stuff so i feel like that is the probably one thing that is sort of missing from a lot of the discourse i see online and stuff is just that you know the the actual it's not just a it's not just like a idea that you have to work through and then it solves itself or something so yeah yeah, that's definitely true. I, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I took away from my time there, from hearing people talk about all this sort of stuff, was just that a, a lot of the debate, uh, like between like Westerners or whatever people who like have no real direct connection, you know, revolves around like the issue of like what's a just solution. And my impression from Palestinians was like it, you know, at this point they're not interested in like justice as much as they just want things to like stop like they want the aggression to stop they want the brutalization to stop the mm-hmm. humiliation too that was another thing that was that made an impression on me was that people were much um reacted much strong more strongly to things like uh kind of like the demoralizing aspect of it and the humiliating aspect of it um 
and less so about like, you know, this is an injustice that needs to be corrected. Like they were willing, it seemed to accept this, you know, this happened. It is what it is, but just, you know, leave it at that and and leave us alone. You know, Mm -hmm. that was like the big attitude that I took. And again, I was there at a very specific point in time. Things could have changed. I, maybe I got, uh, you know, just a few individuals attitudes and, you know, maybe they're not represent representative. I don't know. I'm just kind of relaying, you know, my experiences. So, sure. Um, so what was the situation in terms of, uh, things like, like, I don't, I'm not sure what years the wall was built and stuff like that. Like what was the, you know, in terms of like the, just even the architecture of like, did you have to go through checkpoints and things like that? Yeah. Like, was that yeah. a big part of that it? It actually is reminding me, I, there was another city I went to, which was uh, Hebron or in Arabic, it's known as Khalil. And, uh, that was, that's a city that's divided in half. Half of it is occupied and half of it is not. And, uh, so there you really see like the, you know, the, the architecture of the occupation was really pronounced. Um, when I was there, it was like 2010, 11, something like that. And, uh, yeah, the walls were up. I'm not sure exactly when those went up. I think it was, they had been up for years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, I mean, they, they like stand out, you know, they're mm-hmm. like you, especially around Jerusalem, because you kind of have to drive against the walls or like you see them on the horizon when you're approaching like they're just kind of like always in your view as long as you're like out you know in a car somewhere Mm -hmm. um and covered in graffiti like everywhere like just yeah um not just like artwork and stuff but like people just write like these kind of they're not they're not as concise as like slogans but they're not as long as like manifestos exactly they're sort of like maybe two three four sentences or something like people like you know, send like these public messages out by like just graffitiing not only the occupation wall, but like just everywhere in these cities. Like it's, it's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. uh, thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, went through some checkpoints. Uh, that was fairly painless for me. Uh, you know, I think the first time I went through from Jordan to Palestine, it was kind of, uh, it was a weird, like, lucky thing. I didn't end up getting, like, stopped and interrogated or anything like, uh, like plenty of other people do who are, like, you know, look like me, sound like me, like American passports. That happens to people. Um, but there was this guy who had a, I heard him talking on his cell phone. Like, so the way this works is you get to the bridge and you have to wait, um, while the bus gets enough people. Like, you basically wait for the bus to fill up, then the bus takes you through the landmine or the, through the minefield. Yeah. And so while I'm waiting there, I hear this guy on his phone and I hear like a Finnish accent and, uh, you know, he's speaking English, but I can hear that he's got a Finnish accent, you know? So then I ask him, are you Finnish? And he says, yes. And I speak a little bit of Finnish with him and he kind of like takes a liking to me. He's like, oh, are you visiting somewhere here? I'm like, yeah, I'm here just on tourism. I teach English here in Jordan and da, da, da. And, um, he kind of like, he worked for the UN. It turned out he was there to like, teach uh the palestinian authority about human rights is what he said yeah and so he kind of like uh gave me you know i got the vip treatment he just gave me one of his bags to hold he's like just carry this and i'll say i'm that you're with me and so we got to like bypass a lot of the security and stuff i wasn't like held up by anything mm-hmm. so that was kind of a fun time to see how that worked yeah and then uh another time i accidentally 
there's not like official Arab buses and international buses, but there's kind of like unofficial buses. Like they kind of send you to the one. And I kind of got lost and ended up on the Arab bus. And it was sort of a different experience. I still didn't get held up for interrogations or anything like that, but, um, it's just, you know, interesting to see how that worked. Um, in the, in the, in, in the territories themselves, the, the various checkpoints that you go through, uh, they also treat you differently, you know, like with me, they kind of just check my bags, asked what I was doing and, and that kind of stuff. And they don't grill you really hard. It's like kids, you know, a lot of these, uh, Israeli like IDF types that are manning the checkpoints and, the ones that they're called flying checkpoints. I kind of just like pull over people randomly, buses and stuff. They'll just like stop the bus and like come on and check everyone's cards and papers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're just like 18 year olds with these giant, you know, M16s or whatever they are. And, uh, I don't know. It, it, they, they like act really tough and stuff, but you can kind of tell they're just like dumb kids, you know? Sure. So kind of a weird, weird experience. But yeah, you could tell like they were much more, uh, there's just a lot of bullying. I mean, that, that's the, the one word I can use for it is like they just bullied the Palestinians at every chance they got, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one time when they were checking my bags, I, I had bought this like kefia, you know, the scarf, the checkered yeah. scarf thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I had one of those in my bag and he was like, first the guard was all like smiles. I was, I was actually like at, right at the, the Western wall, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think he thought like I was like a tourist from America there to see like, you know, uh, kind of like a pro Israeli or, 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 you know, whatever. Right. Like he thought that sure. I was kind of on his side. And so he was all like chatty and nice. And then he, he's kind of looking through my stuff just as a matter of course. And then he sees that and he's like, is this yours? What, what do you have this for? And I was like, I, I just bought it as a souvenir. He's like, why do you have this? And I'm like, it's, I, I just bought it. It's just like, you know. I just bought it. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. And he's like, this is a, this is for them. This is their, this is their clothes. This is not for you, you know? Oh yeah. And then he puts it back in the bag. So, you know, very minor stuff, right? Like, but it just kind of shows you the, uh, the attitudes that people Mm -hmm. have to deal with. Um, so when you were in, uh, Jerusalem, like, did you go to any of the like holy sites or anything like that? Yeah, I did. I got to see the Holy Sepulcher. I saw, Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock, uh, the the uh, Mount of Olives, walked around the old like castle walls, the citadel walls, saw the western wall, as I said, mm-hmm. actually got to walk right up to it. And as I was walking down to it, you know, there's all these people praying. And that, that was kind of an interesting thing because it's like Jewish people from all over the world. They all have like their different ways of praying and different kind of outfits and everything you know so that that was a really kind of interesting sight to see mm-hmm. um but i kind of there's like a ramp you walk down to approach it and i was like halfway down the ramp when someone like stops me i was like oh boy here we go what's what's about to happen and he just hands me a yamal coin he's like just put this on you know like a, a kippa mm-hmm. the little caps yeah because right. i was like i don't know if i need to wear this if i'm not jewish or whatever and i i don't know if i was even supposed to approach it or whatever it's not like they like you know, you don't have like a little yellow star you can flash or anything. You sure, know, you sure. just walk yeah, yeah. Up there. So, um, yeah, they had the little prayers stuck in the wall and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, what is the sort of significance of Al-Aqsa in Islam? Like, what? And it's like, I mean, like the culture. Like, uh, yeah. So they're both very important. Um, 
Al-Aqsa was the mosque that Muhammad uh, visited on his way. So there's like the famous like night journey, the Isra wal Miraj, that he took from Medina. Yeah, it's either Medina or Mecca now. I'm getting it confused. But it's, I think it's Medina to Jerusalem on this like magic horse kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the Al-Aqsa is the mosque that he stopped at. So he like prayed in Medina and went to um, to Jerusalem that way. And so that's the, the mosque where he did that. And uh, the Dome of the Rock, I, I don't think has like like a story in that sense behind it, but it's a, a really magnificent building. It's just like really breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built later, I believe. Uh, Al-Aqsa is actually a very unassuming place. When you, when you hear Al-Aqsa, I think, at least I know I did, I pictured the Dome of the Rock because that's like the... Know, gold dome and the okay okay the blue and the white and everything that's the dome of the rock al-aqsa actually has a, like a very it's like gray you know it's just got this gray iron dome over it and stuff but in inside it's really uh nice and uh, the dome of the rock is just is a beautiful place mm-hmm. one thing that i noticed while i was there was like the construction like like the quote-unquote archaeological stuff that's going on under Al-Aqsa, like it's very clearly like digging right under it. And the like kind of like conspiracy theory is that uh, the Israelis are trying to like dig out the foundation so that it will just collapse on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have all the facts. I don't really know <laughs> one way or the sure. other, but I can see it, you know? Yeah. So I guess this is where the flashpoint, of the recent fighting sort of started, right? Like this is, this is the, yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, A lot of the footage that I'm seeing, I I like recognize the places where it's at. Cause it's like right around um, where East Jerusalem becomes West Jerusalem. It's like right in that area. So that that's pretty much at the, like the old castle walls. Mm -hmm. Um, So like on the inside of the castle, it's uh, East Jerusalem and on the outside is West Jerusalem. And so that's a very like touristy area. So anyone who's who's been there like for tourism or anything probably would recognize these a lot of these places themselves as well. But it's just I don't know. It's it it just changes your perspective when you like recognize a certain spot or you have a picture of yourself from that spot, and now you see like people fighting and all kinds of stuff. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so and then so what like what what was like the initial thing that sort of happened? It was like. Like the police moved in on people praying or something. Yeah, some I mean, of- I'll be honest. I haven't been following all the, you know, every little detail of it. Sure. Um, from what I understand, that was like the one of the big instigating events. But I think things were were already happening on some scale before that. But like, yeah, the last Friday of Ramadan, people were praying at Al Aqsa, I believe, and uh, they started to. For whatever reason, like uh, they were throwing smoke bombs and you know that kind of thing. They were, you know, sure doing all that, and then I think that really angered a bunch of people, and uh, you know, people started protesting, and then kind of things broke out. And then I believe in Gaza, they started to fire rockets in retaliation, and and now uh, the IDF has kind of turned their attention to Gaza and is like starting to like do airstrikes and stuff. So I guess this is a good place to kind of provide 
the framework that I sort of view a lot of this, like periodic harassment and assaults that the IDF launches on the Palestinians. Uh, this is sort of like a cliche or like a trope, but I think there's some, you know, I wouldn't take it too far, but I think it, it does carry some weight is the idea that whenever there's like an election that they do this stuff and it kind of like rallies the troops, you know what I mean? Sure. So, uh, that, that is true in this case, like it is coming up and, um, you know, I don't follow Israeli politics super closely, but I know that Netanyahu, uh, is, has had some trouble recently politically, and this might be a move to kind of bolster some support. There's been, um, kind of like a liberal opposition to him, but also like a far right opposition as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think he needs to kind of assert himself as a, like a reasonable, you know, pragmatic kind of guy or something. So like being in the middle of a conflict and like being seen as the guy that can maneuver Israel out of it, I think is, it makes sense to me. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because I think that the, first uh, impression people have is that it would be trying to antagonize things to look like the tough guy that is dominating situation, but you're kind of suggesting that it's almost like, it's not just that, it's also that he's the experienced one that can sort of navigate the waters instead of, you know, trying someone like that hasn't led the country before. And uh, maybe, maybe, you know, not, not, in a position to take risks or something like that kind of thing. So, yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe, I mean, I'm no expert, yeah. uh, sure. you know, so yeah. if listeners, if you know more than me about this and that sounds stupid, well, you know, I can see, but, um, yeah, that's sort of my impression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, this is, there is sort of a pattern of this kind of thing happening. It could be coincidence because like Israel has elections like every six yeah, months yeah, or something yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. like, you know yeah. i don't know but uh yeah that, that certainly could be the case mm-hmm. yeah i mean it it is interesting that this uh like political divide where uh, it's, it's hard to i think that we really uh you know we we flatten it maybe in the west uh israeli politics and kind of say you know it's it's obviously being dominated in more and more by this like almost like directly openly annexationist kind of talk and stuff where they're just you know it's not the the right in israel is just openly talking about you know ethnic cleansing kind of stuff instead of yeah giving it some sort of veneer of unity or two-state or whatever any any sort of moderation or something like that does seem to be seems to be at least on the far right more and more just being as bloodthirsty as possible that's just like part of it but uh, you know, there have been a lot of like uh, protests in Israel that are sort of parallel to the conflict sort of stuff, like about um, in the last few years about just uh, stuff like Israelis feeling squeezed in different ways uh, by rising costs and uh, unemployment and all these other problems that they, they feel, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it's created this kind of a strange dynamic where you've got like... Uh, these strange liberal coalitions that emerge and that haven't been able to win an election uh, in, 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 you know, against Netanyahu in the, in the last little while, but like have 
do have like this kind of uh, strange, like forward thinking, progressive. I'm not even sure what I would say, like character to them, but it's not really, it's not, I mean, I don't think how it's that, that honest, but it is interesting to me that like, it's like, uh, um, it's, uh, it's something that is part of the dynamic that is, uh, you know, at play. And, you know, these parties can be, uh, you know, I'm thinking of stuff like Kadima or like, uh, blue and white now and stuff, or a lot of the things that sort of emerged out of the collapse of uh, labor in different ways. But like, um, I think, it, I think it's interesting that like, uh, uh, those people right now are not doing a good job communicating to the West kind of in different ways. Right. Like in, or like in, uh, popular media, they've been sidelined in a lot of ways, uh, even though there's still a pretty big chunk of Israeli politics, but like, uh, um, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I follow, uh, Gal Gadot, stuff on Twitter, uh, as a joke, basically. But, um, uh, she does represent, I think like this anti Netanyahu, uh, but pro Zionist liberal sort of forward thinking thing that, uh, it is a very big part of Israeli politics, but like, uh, it just is, uh, not really like you have, I have no idea where it's going to go. I have no idea where, like, uh, like who's it for really? It's just like a middle-class thing. And it reminds me a lot of like the Biden supporters in the United States or something or yeah. Macron in uh, France and stuff. And it's uh, it's this interesting kind of thing, but just because it's not really like, you know, I think that the consensus uh, from people that we know and stuff would be something like, well, this is just some historical dead end kind of thing, right? Like it's like liberal Zionism is not going to go anywhere because the whole logic on the ground is not really suitable for some sort of moderation or something like that. But I don't know if that's true. I think that there is, uh, there's always these ways that like coalitions form that people can never expect and, you know, take things in a direction. And, it might actually be, I mean, I think that one of the reasons why people enjoy the sort of polarization narrative so much is that it does seem to give way to something decisive, you know, like it seems to get, get like the situation on the ground where, you know, if the far right just keeps gaining in power year after year, then to some extent that, that, uh, it, it at least gives the sense that, well, then people are going to have to pool on the other side on a more radical position or something like that. But I think like someone mm-hmm. like Biden proved that like, you know, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. You know, it could, it could also coalesce around these strange liberal things that groupings that like, uh, don't, um, that, that provide very unsatisfying answers to the situation, but are able to roll on for years and years. So, yeah. 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 I mean, at, at least as much as like a conservative or a right wing, faction would be able to you know uh, yeah i, I kind of see israel as being a little bit stuck um yeah i i think that like one of their top priorities has always been a demographic majority right like maintaining mm-hmm. a jewish majority and uh they're having they've been having trouble with that for a long time you know pe- more people emigrate out of israel than have been moving to israel for years now uh their birth rate is under two 
Palestinians are like got a birth rate like four or five per woman. You know, it's it's really crazy, and uh, it's already something like twenty percent Arab in Israel proper, and then there's like maybe uh, I saw the numbers earlier today, but you know, like if you include all the Palestinians, including ones that have been expelled and stuff, it's like twice the number of uh, Jewish Israelis. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that that's they're feeling the pressure of that. Yeah. Right. And I don't put a huge amount of stock in changing attitudes in the West, but that is a factor. I think it's worth considering, but I don't think it's like the be all end all by any means. But I think it is something notable that people are much more willing to call out Israel you know, American Jews in particular, like uh, past few years, have become less and less pro-Israel uh, and pro-Zionist. And now, like, the population at large is less interested in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are maybe overstating it a bit on Twitter. I think Twitter is a natural place for that kind of stuff to live. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take Twitter as, like, a representative example. But just, like, normie types of people that I've talk to about this also kind of share those sentiments, you know, mm-hmm. um, like liberal Biden type supporters. And, uh, I, I think that that is interesting enough, you know, I, I mean, at, at the very least it kind of, it, it shows that there's not a lot of support for, like Israel's a little bit on its own in, in, a, you know, not really, but more so than it used to be. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's in a position where it's, it's stuck and I don't see a lot of help coming its way in, you know, like a significant manner. Like, you know, it's going to get money, it's going to get arms, it's going to get protection in, in the UN and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like, like, like the settlers and the, and the right wing have, they used to have very poor relations with one another. And now they're kind of more like a, a unified, there's like an alliance there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why the, the settlers have been emboldened in recent years. I, I think it's not um, – that's not very uh, stable ground, politically mm-hmm. speaking, for them to kind of like throw in with settlers because they're, they're not they, – they, there's not a lot to build on there. You know, that just means like, okay, we have to go full expansionist, but we can't really accomplish that. You know, as much as people talk about – Zionist expansionism and, and all this kind of stuff, they they kind of like are reactive in a, in a lot of ways. Like they are expansionist and they are aggressive, but they aren't really like what territory have they picked up? They've kind of got this like occupation over the West Bank. They've got a siege of Gaza. They took the Golan Heights, which is like this tiny little patch of land. And that's like barely a thing like they had to give back the Sinai. They are not, you know, able to expand very well. And mm-hmm. if they're kind of putting all their eggs in the, okay, we're going to go full settler and expand as much as possible basket. Okay. Let's see that happen. Israel, like what, what's your next move? I don't know if that is a, a realistic possibility for them, just like from a practical perspective. So yeah, I don't know. They kind of created a problem for themselves. They're going to have to solve, um, I also don't think like uh, just going full genocide is a real thing or like, the you know, people kind of get a little bit hyperbolic about like the Samson option and all that kind of stuff. 
it's scary that they have nuclear weapons pointed at the Kaaba. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. that is not a good thing. But I, I don't, I don't see that really playing a role outside of like just making sure Iran and Saudi Arabia know that. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see them having a lot of tools to solve their problems right now. So yeah. I think that's a good thing. You know, it, yeah, I mean, it could it could go very badly, but um, I think overall pressure on them to fix things that they can't fix is probably a good thing, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, that that's the sort of uh, two-sided thing of it where people kind of emphasize the, the dominance of the right wing, the dominance of this sort of settler mentality or something of trying of annexationist kind of mentality but you know as you said that's not necessarily going to take them too far down the road of anywhere that they want to be even if they did you know go sort of more full thing it's like the likely the likely counter moves and all that would be so profound that or or whatever you know just it's just it's not going to work out the the way that that it's not like that's a viable strategy for the long term or something like that compared yeah but I think that 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 is part of it, where you know the the right wing feels that precarity, feels like we don't have a tight grip on the situation, and uh, sort of lash out because of that. I mean, that's that's got to be part of the reason for the different communal violence, like in terms of the more personal uh, of like say Jewish groups going out and uh, attacking Arab Israelis in the street and stuff like that kind of thing. But like, uh, yeah, I, I I thought that it was sort of like a funny narrative thing i don't know you know you can't read much into it but i do think it was interesting that like uh, about gal gadot is that so in 2014 there was sort of similar fighting against uh, hamas and gaza and stuff like was part of the what was happening in israel whatever and um she posted like an instagram thing that was her or facebook whatever um that was her praying for the safety of the troops (laughs) and uh it was like this thing about like uh, um, how, you know, and it included like a comment about how Hamas uh, hides between behind uh, women and children and stuff. And it was pretty much like, you know, dialed up to 10 of what you're going to see in terms of pro-IDF, pro-scientist yeah. kind of stuff, right? Like it was all the way up there, basically. And she did have like uh, things in the last few years stuff where – a little bit like uh, a little bit maybe different than that, or maybe not different, but like just uh, you might think it points in a different direction, but not necessarily where um, when uh, Shimon Perez died, uh, she was like, you know, she mourned him and said that like he was a man of peace and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was like a labor prime minister and stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, it more, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, it's uh it's it's pro-Israel, but like kind of like in this national overarching way, which I think is very common in amongst celebrities kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like kind of this, you can't read much into it. Um, yeah. I mean, you and, know, all those statements are like workshopped by like teams of people. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's not just her. Like, yeah. They'll just go oh, tweet whatever sure. I want about this like very <laughs> like inflammatory yeah. political situation. But I think it's interesting that, I mean, now that she's uh, – you know, she does like the Wonder Woman movies, like, and is obviously part of like a giant franchise for that. Um, uh, so her public statements on this kind of stuff have become much more uh, vague, kind of thing. You know, like so much more. Uh, 
Good measured. things are good, bad things are bad kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, and, uh, like, she does a lot of, like, statements on, not statements, but, like, you know, if she's talking to the media about, like, not wanting to promote war or something like that, she'll do stuff about, like, how women need to fight for peace or something like that kind of thing. That's the impression I get from some of this stuff. And, you know, solving problems without violence and all that kind of stuff. And I think that was, like, a major plot point maybe in the last uh, Wonder Woman movie or something like that. You know, stuff like that. Like, it's... It's very much like I'm a girl boss that fights for myself, but also like the real way to fight is not by just killing people or something. So that's kind of being the Hollywood. And I think that's like for all the stuff about Hollywood working with the military, that's also part of Hollywood ideology is this sort of thing that's like, okay, fighting for what's good is good, but we should always try to work for peace or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the ideology. And I think it's funny because it kind of like dovetails perfectly with that sort of like centrist semi-progressive trend in Israel. And I feel like, I assume that's what like that's what she would vote for or something like that. Um, and I think that there's a interesting example of her kind of intervention on this kind of stuff was they did this thing. There was like this kind of spat a few years ago where Netanyahu was like, you know, it, it became like this thing and it's it's been more and more in recent years where like the Arab list parties and uh, different types of like Arab Israeli interventions into politics have been criticized as being like illegitimate and uh, being like, you know, like a lot of the centrist parties, obviously, if they want to get a majority have to, um, and it, that's not like some grand coalition or something with Likud and all that. Um, they need to sort of lean on the fact that like the Arab list party wouldn't vote against them or something like that kind of thing, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they have like, uh, you know, they. I don't think that any of them would say that they want to be in direct coalition with them. Like that might be toxic in certain ways, but like for both sides, but like, uh, um, you know, it is this one thing that like it became like an issue and Netanyahu kind of spoke up against it and was criticizing the Arab parties. And they like they were talking about like, expelling them from the legislature and all that kind of stuff and um or not putting them on the ballot and different things like that and uh so gal Gadot spoke out against that and said that she supported israeli arabs participation in politics and stuff like that which is funny because it's like it's like the bare minimum political intervention kind of thing it's like <laughs> these people should not be formally excluded from the political process yeah the, the token thing. like <laughs> percentage of the population that is allowed to participate should not be now actively <laughs> like yeah we need to keep our token arabs you know <laughs> and i thought it was like a perfect example of this sort of like liberal zionist social media dominated <laughs> kind of thing or something of like okay so it's it's one step to the left of Netanyahu, but it's important because it like it does show that like it's 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 a it's like a changing attitude in the way that like uh, if seven years ago she was posting a picture of her in like a prayer uh, veil with her children like being like I'm praying for the soldiers and Hamas is like cowards and stuff, um, and now she's like my heart bleeds for my country, you know, or whatever, my heart breaks, like, and I just want the fighting to stop kind of thing. I don't know. I feel like that's, it's interesting because it's like sort of progress in some weird limited way or something, you know, like it's like, yeah. it's like uh, pretty lame stuff, but it's, it's funny because uh, I feel like internal to Israel, 
people might, you know, the people that are like bloodthirsty and stuff are not going to see that as a sympathetic message, right? Like mm -hmm. people, people that are uh, um, online in the West and like, you know, maybe in London or New York or something like that and are posting a lot about how they, uh, you know, that, that she needs to be defended for, you know, praying for peace or something like that. Like pro-Israeli people that are like trying to kind of glom onto her as like an example of like the loony left and stuff like that or whatever, like attacking her. And uh, um, I, I think it's funny because it's like, you know, she's like a liberal, uh, you know, liberal feminist sort of actress, uh, internationally famous. I, I feel like that's probably not the base of the right wing Zionist project at this point kind of thing, you know, like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's yeah, like uh, those people yeah. are not going to be like, you know, like the settlers are not going to be like, oh yeah, she's a great hero of ours or something like that. They're, they're going to be like, no, 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 she doesn't get it. She doesn't get that this is not like a fun thing that, you know, like she doesn't get that this is not like a choice that we just have to stop fighting and have a ceasefire or something like that. You know, like it, this is a battle we have to keep waging as long as we can yeah. for survival or something like that. So. I mean, I, I think the right wing see themselves very much on their own. Yeah. Just, despite how ridiculous that sounds, like, I think that's how they see it. Like, they don't see anybody as their friends. Yeah. And this liberal wing, I think, is is the opposite. I think they value very highly, like, the international community, and they want to present, like, an image to the United States and to Europe that they know that those people will like, you know, they mm -hmm. want to kind of like maintain those ties and stuff. I think the right wing is, is very different, you know? And so that what they, they they'll see that as weakness. Like we're, we're showing them weakness, you know? Sure. And uh, the liberals are like, well, this is maybe it's not as cynical as all this, but like functionally it's essentially like, this is what they want to hear. This is the Israel that they want to see, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if that makes any sense like the kind of opinions or attitudes she's expressing. It's just like, that's, uh, that's what you have to do or that that's, um, that's the way that we should be, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that it reminds me of the reason why I bring up like Biden and Trudeau and stuff like that about this kind of stuff is that I feel like a lot of what liberals got extremely angry at Trump about, and maybe Johnson in the UK and stuff like that, different things is that they don't say the right thing at the right time, like they're yeah. supposed to. And it's like the facts on the ground might not change much in either direction, but it it matters a huge amount to these people that like good government is put forward in terms of making sure that you uh, if you know if there's violence, then you you say we we don't want violence or something like that you know like this is like very right. one oh one stuff that you're supposed to be doing, and uh, I do think that that is part of the anger towards Netanyahu, Netanyahu at this point is that. Um, that he's, or, or at least people around him, like some of the more right-wing parties and stuff, or, or uh, you know, is that uh, there's not this, like, pretend conciliation or something of, like, you know, like, I, I don't, I feel like uh, Netanyahu is probably not saying a lot about, like, we need a partner for peace or something at this point or something like that, that kind of no, thing. No, no, he's know? like, there's <laughs> more coming tomorrow, you know, hold on to your butts. That's the kind of stuff he's saying right sure. now. Sure. So, but I feel like... Uh, it's important to keep that in mind because uh, if if there is that shift towards uh, you know a, a more you know 
kinder, gentler machine gun hand, as Neil Young called it, or something like <laughs> that's the that's the that can be um, that can throw the left left off balance sometimes because they don't they uh, you know it ends up being one of those things where like they they get um, you know that the liberals get end up in the media get like huge praise constantly and they might say things that disarm the opponents in different ways being like you know they might like release like a tough talking statement about like how israel needs to you know we'll put conditions on aid that seems to be one of the big liberal slash left pushes in the um congress right now in the united states is is this idea of or like you know like the protest groups that are like more moderate and stuff are saying things like well we need to we need to put conditions on aid so that like you know, Israel won't get military equipment from us if they, if they don't promise to say like dismantle certain settlements or something like that kind right. of stuff. And even if that doesn't happen, the fact that there's no tension like in the U S about like aid packages just kind of going through and that will have some effect like down the line, you know, sure. like even if it doesn't change things right now, like if they don't actually, get these measures passed it will start to affect the the relationship between the u.s and israel you know yeah yeah and i think that i think that uh but it can also end up being this kind of lame situation where it, there can be a win for the liberals kind of in a certain way where they they see themselves as being like a bit more tougher on israel but there's no actual you know there's no yeah. actual meat there too so that's true yeah i think that that's that's part of it and uh um, like putting the conditions and stuff like that is, is, a, is, it's not a bad thing, but, um, it could end up being one of those things where, uh, I don't know. I, I always look for things like that where like there's, there's certain rhetorical pivot points that if people, if people, f you know, force this narrative of Israel being far right forever, um, uh, there's, there's, there's very easy ways for, uh, the sort of like, I don't know, for counter moves at least. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one last thing, I guess, um, before we rewrap up here, I just wanted to discuss Hamas a little bit. Sure. Um, so people seem to be less reticent to voice support for Hamas, or at least like kind of not just view them as like their Al Qaeda, basically, and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, treat them as some sort of, with some legitimacy. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the impression I got from, you know, I didn't go to Gaza, so I didn't have any direct experience with like a Hamas, you know, government or administration or anything. Um, but the Palestinian authority, which, uh, administrates the West bank, um, people hate them in some cases more than they hated the Israeli government. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were considered a lot more brutal Actually, like when people got arrested, they said that they would rather be arrested by the Israelis than by the Palestinian Authority. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Hamas is at least as bad as that, if not worse. Oh, yeah. Um, so the the current kind of governing bodies for Palestinians are not good. Uh, Palestinians, by and large, don't like them, although they do support them against Israel. You know, it's a very complicated situation mm -hmm. so like when hamas starts firing rockets at israel 
Um, you know, first of all, we should understand like what the rockets are. I think a lot of people get this, but these are like souped up fireworks. You know, they're bottle rockets. A lot of these are just made by kids out of like makeshift things. And mm-hmm. uh, in many cases, these rockets are just fired by little groups of teens. You know, it's not like there's some coordinated military all the time. There, There is that to some extent, but like we're talking about like it's very makeshift, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they've managed to kill like a handful of people. Uh, and that's, that's like over the years, you know, like probably less than any one missile does, uh, that, that Israel uh, sends into Gaza. So, you know, it's definitely disproportionate. Um, the, like when, when, when like the Israeli liberals and stuff are like, oh, we got to end the violence. It definitely keeps the door open for like, you know, piling on the criticism of Palestinians for like resisting and fighting back, you know? So like, I personally think they have a right to do that. If, if they're being attacked, you have a right to defend yourself, even if it's not, maybe it's not productive. Maybe it's counterproductive. Maybe, you know, it's hitting civilians and stuff like that's not great. I'm not saying that's a good thing. Um, but in the principle of self-defense, I think applies. Uh, but yeah, like, so, I think you can say that and also say Hamas is not a good governing body or a good, you know, they're, they're not like a good political entity to support in, in all respects. Same thing with the Palestinian authority. I don't, I don't think you should view them as the good guys or anything. In fact, a lot of people um, that I spoke to viewed them as like collaborators. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it's kind of like understood, or at least this is like the, there's a lot of sort of, speculation and you know for lack of a better word like conspiracy theory that goes around because information is so tightly controlled and because it like it's it's the kind of circumstances that that kind of stuff is like a reality you know it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to deny that that sort of stuff goes on so um yeah there's a there's a, a big feeling or at least my impression was there was a big feeling that the uh palestinian authority and the the israeli government like are in cahoots much more so then then not you know there's definitely tension it's not like they're completely on the same side or that that they're like a that the pa is like a puppet of the israelis or anything like that which i've seen people say that i think that's a a simplification um but it's it's similar to how like israel and saudi arabia or even in some cases like iran and saudi or iran and israel have kind of done things like you know very so you know on the hush hush kind of, you know, made deals here and there, you know, this stuff happens with every government, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of political entity will make deals with other ones, even ones that are like publicly, they're like, we will not even recognize them. We want to destroy them. That may be true, but they're still going to do business, you know, when, when the, there's like a good deal to be made. Sure. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of like say that and to, uh, express it. I think it is a very complicated situation. Like, uh, when we talk about solutions to the problem, one state or two state or whatever, um, I, you know, we talked about this earlier. I do think two state is, if we're talking about like the current, you know, the extant kind of territories of that the Palestinians hold as being a state, I don't think that is workable. I think mm-hmm. the Israelis have uh, designed it that way with the way like they built the wall. I think that's a big, like that's one of the big purposes of building that wall um they uh 
they control like a lot of the water and the resources. I think all of the resources, all of the like internet and um, telephone and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like that is not something that I think uh, makes for a viable state. You know, like even even if we're so, it's going to say like, well, that that would go back to Palestinian hands. Like we're talking about like handing it over to like a family that would then control it and would probably live in, in Tel Aviv or something. You know, mm-hmm. um, so and then I mean, just the geographic incoherence of the of the territories. It's it's the, you know a lot of people know this, I guess, but like it's very fractured not even just Gaza and the West Bank, but like within the West Bank itself, it's not like a coherent blob. It's, it's like little patches of things. The, uh, the Israeli settlers have captured a lot of these like hilltop areas where, um, which are like good for, you know, building homes and cultivating land and, you know, they've done all the little details, all the little things that make it possible to live there. They have, uh, kind of made it good for them and bad for the Palestinians. And I think it's all for the purpose of making it so like the Palestinians eventually will just have to go, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I don't know if a two state solution is just as easy as like signing a paper and then saying like, yeah, it's, it's done. Sure. Putting, putting aside the issue of like justice. Uh, I also think that would be kind of like uh, codifying the, you know, the, the theft and the conquest of of uh, Palestinian land. So that's I don't really like that either. Um, a one state solution is also kind of difficult. I mean, I think that makes the most sense where you just have a state that isn't governed by any sort of like racialized apartheid system. Um, Israeli society is is highly racist, even if you discount the anti-Arab race, racism, if you just kind of consider like a Jewish Israeli society, there's a hierarchy of, you know, of European, Middle Eastern and African. Like there's a, it's not like a, like they're all like one happy family, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we have a one state, that has full rights for everybody and, you know, an end to the whole apartheid deal. Uh, you, you still have the question of like, well, what about people's homes? You know, like if someone's had their home taken and someone else lives there now, you're kind of stuck in a situation. Well, somebody is going to end up homeless here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can just say like, yeah, we're one, we're one state now you have full rights, but uh, we're keeping the, the houses. Yeah. I don't know if, I, I don't know. May, maybe that would work. I mean, I don't know. Palestinians are very, uh, obviously many of them are very, uh, very serious about the right of return. Um, they take very seriously the fact that they want their land back. Uh, a lot of that land is, is something that's been in their family for generations. Um, olive trees are a big part of the economy and olive trees take a long time to develop. So like seven years before they end up producing any fruit. And that's some, those trees, some of them are like centuries old, you know, so that we're, it's like, a. I think that's just another sort of factor thrown into the mix. It's not as easy as like, oh, well, I can be a mechanic anywhere kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Uh, but like, I don't know what, do you, let's, if we're going to kick out all the Israelis, like, is that a... That seems difficult. I don't. I don't know if that's as easy as that. You know that I. 
I'm not the guy who's making the call here. I'm not, you know, I don't have the answers to this, but I, I feel like it's also doesn't feel right to just say like, you know, just get out. Sure. Cause a lot of these people's, uh, you know, they moved here and they don't have anywhere to go. I mean, they can go somewhere technically, but so can Palestinians. So like, is it, I'm not saying that they have as much of a right to be there as the Palestinians do. That's definitely not the case. I think like if like Finkelstein the other day said that Israelis have one right and one right alone, and that's to leave, pack their bags and go home. And I think like I agree with that in in one sense, but I also don't know if that's like a good solution. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't seem like a productive way to look at it. So I really don't know. Maybe yeah. that maybe that is all there is you can do about it. And, uh, you know, it's not my business, but I, I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than, uh, people kind of sometimes make out to be that it's not just a matter of like, you know, pushing your, your, uh, ready-made solution to things. I think it's a very complicated situation. Sure. And I mean, even if, uh, even if there was some sort of rate of return within a one, uh, country's, uh, solution, um, like you would have this, uh, situation where. I feel like a lot of people would still, like a lot of Jewish uh, Israelis would still want some sort of Zionist project, right? Like, it's not like just because you, it's just because like maybe there was some sort of grand agreement or something that was, you know, some, or like maybe some military situation changed in some way or, you know, something would have to dramatically change for the one state solution to that in a way that benefited Arabs too. Uh, to roll out anyways, but like, uh, I feel like you would still have large numbers of people who were committed to some sort of project of independence or autonomy from Palestine or something like that too. So it's, it's, uh, and, and who probably wouldn't leave, you know? So it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, I can disagree with them from far away, but like, it's like, what right do they have to be able to like if they're allowed to stay and they're and they're part of this framework uh you know are they allowed to have you know political parties that are motivating for you know more and more autonomy within you know the, i mean they they would want to i mean there's going to be at least a you know maybe not maybe not even a majority of the jewish population but like at least a good share are going to be people that are committed to the Zionist project uh, reestablishing a Jewish state or something. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I think that would be a difficult situation. I mean, it's all predicated on this, like, uh, you know, unknown shock or anything anyways, right? Like it's like on its current path, we have no idea how it would get to that state. It would have to be something to do with the United States changing its position and other countries intervening in some way that forced a different, solution over a long period of time or something you know or some like chaotic military result that we can't predict that we just don't expect or whatever but like um so i don't know i i feel like that's part of it that it's like uh um a lot of democratic politics you know for better or worse is like negotiating with people who have a completely different project than you right right without violence yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally without violence. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like that's a hard thing to do because I mean, that's, that's the ultimate thing. I mean, we, 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 we have talked a lot about stuff that, you know, neither of us are full experts on or anything like that. Right. But like, uh, 
I, I feel like that's my ultimate kind of thing. Why I have to kind of throw up my hands on a lot of the stuff is that, you know, uh, I'm not Jewish. So the idea of a Jewish state is sort of irrational to me, right? Like it's like, there's no, I have no goal as part of that because, uh, you know, in the sort of liberal, I mean, sort of like, uh, sort of like mainstream Christian, uh, view of Israel would be something like, you know, it, 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 it's just like, uh, it's like an ethnic homeland or something like that. It has no, has no real religious significance in the way that it might have for like, say, far right evangelicals or something right so it's like yeah i mean although it, yeah something that, sorry something that has always struck me as odd is is the fact that like palestinians are muslim and christian sure and so in as much as like muslims get you know really fired up about this i feel like christians should feel something about yeah. that but that it seems to be more like a well, the Israelis are like the are the Western people there, so sure. that that's actually our side. It doesn't matter if if those brown folks call themselves Christian or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that's part of it. But I think I think it's a very strange situation because it's like, I mean, because that's that's part of the point, right? Is that like if if the super majority of people right now in uh, within that sort of you know region are either you know, I mean, within Israel slash Palestine are uh, Jewish or Muslim or something like that. It's like, it, it feels a bit like, uh, you know, well then what's my, you know, what, what do I have to do with it either way or something like that kind of thing, right? Like, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, if I, if I, uh, cause, cause I, I find that like even stuff like with Hamas and stuff you get like, or, or to some extent like uh, um, other groups, there's like a lot of debate around, you know, their charter and stuff about how, uh, you know, they want to establish, uh, you know, they, they want to get rid of the Jewish state or something like that kind of thing, like as, as part of it. And it's like, you know, it's this, it's this debate around religions that have no, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's like, it's about the legitimacy of like a religious, uh, um, political view or something like that. And it's like, it's hard to, at the end of the day, negotiate with that in a in either way because it's like uh i shouldn't just i just it's it's like i don't have a strong opinion on it because i just don't agree with the religion so it's like right what's 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 the point there then what's the point of uh so i mean i think what i'm trying to say about that about is is sort of like to do with the zionist project or something like that where it's like you know if you do have this concentrated number of people who are committed to that project it's like yeah but it's easy for me to say that is wrong in different ways because I don't support, you know, this, this thing, but like, I don't really have a big problem with like, I don't know, like, uh, United Kingdom having, uh, the queen being also the head of the church or something like that kind of thing. You know, it's not like, right. it's not a big deal to me or something like that. Like, I don't, I don't know if like, it's necessarily the case that having a state religion to some extent, uh, and and a state religion to the degree that it's like trying to maintain its position as a state religion or something like that. That that in itself to me is like it's not something that I feel like I need to have a strong opinion on. But a lot of people, that's like the pivot point, right? Like that's the that's yeah. the, that's the key reason why it's like a thing. So I just feel like that's one of the reasons why it's a difficult problem to for me to kind of wrap my mind around because it's like 
you know, if I if I can kind of imagine this liberal, secular, democratic, one Palestine or something like that, it's like, yeah, but that's just me saying that that's what I think like Canada should be like or something like that. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not really it's not really about the politics of the situation. It's more kind of like what do we think a good government is like or something. So yeah, yeah, it's like how Lebanon has its government where like a certain position can only be held by someone with a certain religious background and all that kind of stuff. And that would seem pretty bizarre, like in our circumstances to have something like that. Uh, But if the Lebanese are okay with it and that's something that works for them, then who are we to judge? Right? Like that's, that's their decision. Um, Yeah. I think that the thing with, with like this uh, issue of like, how do you, how do you negotiate the religious investment in in the the politics of the situation is that it it also means different things to different people so it's not like it's just like muslims all feel one way about it jews all feel one way about it like for muslims for some people they want to go all the way have like a a caliphate you know sharia law like all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. for other people it's you know they feel strongly about it because there are you know, places that are very important to Muslims that they feel that they don't have access to. And sure. it's not, they don't really care about the government having a particular religious character or something so much as like, they just want to be able to have free access to that stuff. And maybe there's like a, an area in between there where it's like, they would prefer that. And they like, would like say be like conservative or something like they would have a kind of a, your standard religious conservative view of government and also kind of feel strongly about the fact that they don't have access to it. Other people, it's not so much about that. It's just like a symbolic thing or like this geopolitical kind of idea of like Arabs should control their own land kind of a thing. Like it's, and then they're willing to adopt like Islam and, and all that as a kind of uh, like a wedge issue type of deal almost. It, it, it gets complicated and it's very difficult to understand that from outside you know and i view myself as an outsider this obviously like just because i'm muslim doesn't mean i you know have any inside view on this uh and for jews it's the same thing to a large extent you know i think it for some people it's like to what extent does something like a a jewish homeland mean mean like a state that has a specific character that needs to defend its demographic majority of of jews right Mm -hmm. uh not all people who are have some sympathy for Israel like are are like that or are like full bore, you know, greater Israel all the way kind of a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do know a little bit about actually, I guess, is the like the pre forty uh, eight Zionist movement and like the um, Zionist immigration during the Ottoman period, mm-hmm. and that is interesting and. Um, you know, there, w- there was like no issue when Jews were starting to move to Palestine, to Ottoman Palestine, just to live there. And they were happy to kind of uh, assimilate, basically, into the, the local culture to a large extent. You know, they maintained their Jewishness, obviously. They were not completely, you know, the same as like the indigenous people. But, you know, there's a, there's a culture that exists there. There's, you know, they kind of go along with it you know just like anyone else would you move someplace you kind of go along with it you're still a foreigner but like you live there now right 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this was during a time when European Jews were actually looking to to uh, the Ottoman Empire and to the Middle East as kind of like an inspiration for this kind of like Jewish renaissance that was happening. Um, there were a lot of synagogues that were built in a what they called a Moorish style uh, throughout Eastern Europe. Um, many of those were destroyed by the Nazis in World War II, but some of them still exist and you can see them and they look like mosques pretty much. They look mm-hmm. like, uh, you know. And and so, yeah, there wasn't like this animosity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was the World Zionist Organization, which was the predominant, um, there were many other Zionist groups that had different, you know, there wasn't like a unified body, but this was like the largest one, the, the uh, best funded one. Uh, essentially kind of, I mean, just to make a long story short, they kind of commandeered the movement. They kind of dominated the movement as a whole and essentially started to turn it into more of a colonial project. They mm-hmm. uh, started to fund the building of Jewish institutions inside of Palestine to replace existing Jewish ones. They started with schools and hospitals, um, religious institutions, you know, synagogues and yeshivas and stuff like that. Um, so the first target of of Zionism was was uh, Middle Eastern Jews, mm-hmm. and um, Masonic lodges also play an interesting role in this. Like we're kind of like the secular version of that. So there were these people who, uh, the, you know, uh, Zionist Jews who were religiously motivated, or at least kind of. Uh, you know, when we talk about Judaism, it's talking about it as like religiously motivated. Sometimes that gets a little bit of a clunky term because it's not necessarily religious in the sense we would think of like with Christians or Muslims. There's like an ethno-religious thing. So it's maybe more about like that, you know, just like the cultural thing rather than like a religion as such, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were... Uh, more secular people who also building schools, but Masonic lodges were a big thing as well. Uh, And it was more about um, like civilization, you know, modern civilization, bringing that to the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And interesting. uh, Yeah. You know, they saw it as like a progressive thing to do very much in line with a lot of colonial attitudes, you know, Um, and even kind of, contrasting their project with other colonial projects because it wasn't as violent there are what wasn't violent at all really at that point so they kind of mm-hmm. saw that as like a plus for them uh that kind of ended up you know not going in that direction eventually things you know you start building up like if there's a an existing jewish hospital here and you build one right next to it for, that's not for europeans but it's built by europeans it's better you know, it's got more money. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. kind of do that with schools. You do that with other things. At the schools, I think there was a little bit of like, this is for Europeans. This isn't for you guys. Sorry, this isn't for you guys kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that that starts to build up this sense of like, this is our place to, to conquer, you know? Sure. And so by the time 48 rolls around, you have uh, these m- militarized groups like Irgun, these... Uh, you know, militias, um, they, they're starting to talk about like doing, like pushing Palestinians out of villages so they can claim entire villages and they're trying to acquire weapons and stuff. And, uh, you know, the U S and the USSR 
were competing to to kind of support them. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's something that sometimes, especially leftists, lose sight of. Is it? It's not like this has just been a U.S. project from the beginning. I'm not trying to say that it was some Soviet thing either, but both sides of the Cold War could not put enough money into this. As as much as like we want to say like the, you know, the Soviet Union, their um, their arms, they sent arms from Czechoslovakia. They were instrumental. I mean, it's also true that the United States was a huge backer, you know, so I'm not trying to say either side was more or less instrumental here, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty much seen as like, uh, well, this seems like it would be a useful ally to have, you know, mm-hmm. sure. somebody that's completely beholden to us that we can use to kind of uh, pressure all these other countries around and uh, kind of fracture this, um, you know, the, the post Ottoman scene, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, um, yeah, that's how that got started. And they started with the artillery and, and shelling Palestinian villages and, uh, you know, just pushing people out of their homes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you have anything last that you wanted to say about this before we wrap up or? Um, no, I think I pretty much said my piece. Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I mean, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's interesting to talk about and I'm glad that we got some of the you know, personal experiences as part of it instead of just being just the foreign policy part. But like, uh, you know, you know, I I think, yeah, we should, we should maybe emphasize at the end again that like our show is more just us talking about things that we find interesting and like, you know, our perspective on it and stuff. Uh, I don't think either of us want to come across as trying to be like know-it-alls or anything about it, but just like, (laughs) you know. I'm definitely not like... Please don't. If if something I said sounds interesting, please double check it and look it yeah. up. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. That's what I'll, I'll leave it at that, I think. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I just have one last thing. If you are like a uh, a person of faith, you know, it would be uh, a good time to kind of send some prayers over there. Things are not, not great. So. Sure. So, yeah. I uh, guess we'll end it on that one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.